Welcome everyone to The Enthusiast Life. I am your host, Mark Turka, and I'm so glad each and every one of you have decided to tune into the show this week. And joining me here, as always, my kindergarten classmate, Mr. Chris Maselli. Chris, what's up, man? How are you doing, sir? I don't have anything to uh, start with today because it's kind of like a different show. So, you know, like, yeah, just sign up the times type of thing. Well, we didn't do a show last week, number one. Um, right. And I think part of that was obviously things were starting to go from what was already bad in general with COVID-19 and all of that um, to just, you know, that would have been, what, Thursday we would have recorded. Just yeah. didn't feel right at that point um, to do a show because obviously people were just, you know, not really right. happy around that time. And then when you have a show... And the title of your show has the term enthusiast in it, enthusiastic, <laughs> and there's not much to be enthusiastic about. Right. It's kind of hard to do a podcast and be enthusiastic. So we did skip last week. Um, but then obviously in light of things that happened through the weekend and things that are continuing to happen here in America, um, you know, we felt that obviously we needed to do a show this week, but it is going to be a very different show. Um, I think here at the top of the show, I do want to say that Chris and I, um, in every podcast we've ever done, um, have, have tried to pretty much stay clear and steer clear of um, political issues, of social issues. And part of that I, I will put on me of always just kind of going along the lines of where, you know, you always hear people say like, this is my entertainment. Like, you know, I'm not right. here for the politics. And not that I always agree with that, but... Like that was always kind of the service that the podcast that I've done always kind of served. But through the years in doing this, um, you know, we, we've garnered an audience. We've garnered people who listen to our voices and respect our voices. And so, you know, there's something different this time where I think we just need to let you just all know how we feel and use this platform. I don't want to say that we are going to be soapboxing here, but... Um, you know, we're going to be working through some of these things and just kind of talking about the way that we feel um, through this. And, and, you know, I just want to preface this all as also by saying that we're not telling you you shouldn't feel the way you feel if you feel different than we do, because that's what democracy is, is people giving their opinions and giving their viewpoints. That's how this all gets out there and how things we can we can get to solutions for mm-hmm. problems. Um, yeah. I think by talking through them. I mean, I'm talking a bunch here, Chris, in the beginning, and I don't want to just soapbox everything and just kind of have you not well, say anything. But No, and I agree with that because I even said on my Avalanche show last week, I did a, an intro and very, uh, it, uh, you know, quickly in the beginning, I said it. I said, I, I know a lot of people listening, like, don't want to, they want to get away from, you know, the the outside world right now and just talk about hockey. So, you know, that's what I'm going to do. And I got, I got emails from people saying, thank you for doing that. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I did. That's why I, I go to these shows. Um, and I even did it, you know, when Kobe Bryant died, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like I'm I'm a hockey podcast and I did a one whole episode because there's some things that you just really have to take a step back and you really have to talk about. Um, and I think obviously right now is definitely one of those things. And like Mark said, if you don't agree with like how we feel about certain things that we'll get to, 
that's fine. Like we should still be able to like shake hands at the end of the day and, right. and say, Hey, we just disagree on this. You've listened to us for however long and we all like star Wars and Marvel movies. <laughs> But if we disagree politically, that doesn't mean we're enemies. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know but I mean? that, and that's America, man. That that right. that is the American dream, and that's how it should be for everyone. Right. You know. But unfortunately, the history of this country, and again, it, it reared its ugly head once again here in the last two weeks. That is not the case. You know, as much as we want to try and believe that it is, um, unfortunately, it's not. You know, uh, obviously, I'm sure everybody tuning into this, you've seen the just horrifying, terrible video footage of, um, you know, George Floyd obviously being murdered on camera. That's a terrible, terrible thing. Um, You know, the the, um, circumstances that led to it are terrible. You know, the the circumstances surrounding it are terrible. Mm. Um, But, you know, for many people out there, for many black people out there, I don't want to say it comes as a surprise, but to them, you know, they're just like, this has been happening for so long and nobody, you know, we, it seems like it's always a dime. I don't want to say a dime a dozen, but this has happened how many times and nothing happens. But this time it seems like because it is so graphic and so violent and those people that don't want to see it had no choice but to see it this time, that that's why it's different. That's why when you see these protests out there, you see people of other skin colors. You know, you don't right. just see the black kids. You see the white people. You see the Asian people. You see everybody. It's like we're everybody is just done and tired of these things, man. Like, and and you know, I don't know really what the fixes are and and you know we can get to what we think some of those things could be and and you know I, Chris and I one thing people may not know about Chris and I we consume the news like maniacs <laughs> Chris and I literally I, half of our texts the majority of the day are like look what dumb thing Donald Trump said or look what this senator said yeah. or whatever we're all over the news and we never bring this onto the show so no. I've heard so many voices this week talking and not just in the news. Like one, one, and Chris, I'm sorry to just keep going, but one, yeah. one person I want to spotlight her and two people really, because another friend of mine obviously took part in it is Khalif Adams from the Spawn on Me podcast. You guys, that if you know me from Paragon Radio, he was my co-host on that show. He runs a show called Spawn on Me that for years has been a show focused on people of color in the gaming industry and just representation in video games. He's been doing it for years. And of course, this week, the show has just exploded because people are looking within the game industry, looking for some some salvation or some voice. And here's Khalif. He's been here for years doing this. Mm-hmm. And so he did a, a fantastic episode with another one of my former co-hosts, uh, Paris Lilly. They did a show called A Lesson in Blackness. They had like three or four other guests on there. I highly recommend people check it out in the Spawn on Me feed. It's actually, as Chris and I are recording this, they're replaying it on the front page of Twitch. Last time I looked, there was like 14,000 people um, watching it. And I urge everyone to listen to it. I'm going to put it in the show notes uh, for people to tune in. But it's like, I think people need to get out and hear all these other voices. You know, I mean, here, listen to those guys. I believe they're way more educated on, <laughs> on these things than Chris and I, you know, two white dudes here talking about comic books. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think that, again, to go back to Chris and I absorbing the news, like we listen to a lot of people talk and we're open 
to all those different viewpoints. And I hope that more people who watch that video now, it, it forces your hand to go out and discover some of those things and have those conversations that you maybe never had before. Well, and I think what you just said <clears throat> is a key point because there is a video and this happens, we're, we're, you know, having some conjecture, but I think, you know, the general consensus is this happens more than we really want to admit. And just the fact that this person finally had a phone on it. Um, and, and this one in particular is just so unnecessary. Yep. It's unnecessary to have your, your knee in somebody's throat for that long. Um, and three other guys on top of him for that long. It's just not called for like, the, you know, and it always seems like there is some, something in each one of these that, um, that people point to as if to say like, well, why that's, that is what you're associating this with. Like that, that is your, your, the, the negative side you're looking at it. Like what the, the one with like the, who was wearing the hoodie. I think that was a Trayvon Martin one. Yeah. Like really, just because you're wearing a hoodie, I, I'm literally wearing one right now. We're recording this. I'm wearing one, yep. <laughs> but I, I, I'm okay. Yep. You know what I mean? Like I could go outside right now. I feel fine. They don't. And really just because they're, they're wearing a hoodie, it doesn't make any sense. But, um, the thing that I have concern about though is, yeah, like this does feel different. Um, and this is like in our history, but I, I kind of, I always think of like, you know, when there's like a shooting that happens and everybody gets up in arms about like gun control and we need gun laws and then enough time passes where nothing happens. So we don't need it anymore because enough, look, enough time has passed and yeah. we haven't had any gun. So forget about it. And then it, there's, there's just that cycle. So this is going at some point, this is going to become news of the past and I just feel like this is going to happen again. I feel like this is going to be a cycle again because that's what we do in this country. Yeah. We don't do anything sometimes. Well, I think for me looking at it, I think the difference this time and it, it is almost really just the perfect storm, the culmination of all the other things outside of this that's been going on. People right. are out of work. People are at home. <laughs> They're getting paid basically to stay at home. They got, I don't want to say they got nothing else to do, but there's a lot of people with a lot of free time on their hands. And it's like, if there ever is going to be a time and now is the time. And now we're here as we're recording this 10 nights into this of, of protesting. Those protesters have left their mark on those cities. So even mm -hmm. if the protesters, let's say go away tomorrow, mm -hmm. all that graffiti, all that broken glass is not going away. So it's like those voices will continue to be heard for a while, man. So like, I, and then on top of that, again, back to the virus and all that stuff, like this is not going to be forgotten, I think, for a long time. And then if you watched uh, President Obama, former President Obama talked yesterday and he was talking about his charity, uh, My Brother's Keeper, which he set up while he was president and, and continues to push this forward. It's a, just a great uh, organization, you know, for for um, people of color, for black people um, to, you know, basically take action locally within their own towns um, and all that. And to hear him come out 
and basically tell the protesters because because that's the other narrative kind of this week has been about the violence that's mm-hmm. been there and how these protests have caused violence. And we're going to get into what some leaders have done um, to, to squash that a little bit later. But, you know, people talking about the violence and that President Obama's basically his comment on that was, you know, obviously nobody's condoning the violence. But whenever we look back at change in our past, it is when the young people keep pushing and make those in power feel uncomfortable. And you look at, uh, dude, literally every street in America, all 50 states, every night for the last countless nights, there Mm. are young people out there making people in power feel extremely uncomfortable. And I don't see that changing at all anytime soon even in the coming week you know god who knows months dude like this is gonna go on for a while i i yeah i think this is going a little bit longer than than usual because i think they're like you're saying like a lot more people are consuming this than there would be because of coronavirus so like you said like there's, there's a lot more people just sitting at home uh getting just getting like we are normally just absorbing information and absorbing uh television and so every i mean everybody knows about this obviously mm-hmm. um i mean if you had told me at the beginning of coronavirus what would get people back out on the streets again it wouldn't have been this <laughs> no. i mean we, we've gone from uh we're slowly gonna start reopening and slowly start like yeah. new york new york today uh was day one of uh, restaurants allowing outdoor seating. Wow. You know what I mean? So like slowly, like everybody has their plans in place. None of it was protesting and nope. rioting and looting and all that. None of it. So we have gone from the worst pandemic in our generation, uh, where everybody is home to everybody is outside like that. Yep. And crazy. We went from what at this point was the worst pandemic. What's the next phase of the pandemic? I mean, that's something else yeah, to think about here. Is, you know, with right. all of all this happening, all this you know call to action. What's going to happen in the fall with all these people, or what's going to happen in fourteen days? You know, mm. are we going to suddenly have this influx of sick people that need to be taken care of? We don't know. That's something we're going to have to, I guess, obviously just wait and see. Um, right. You know, I, I the the violence that's been happening obviously is terrible to see nobody wants to see that happening i mean there's even word that it's you know some outside groups kind of coming in instigating things i mean obviously you see you know the the president and those folks out there talking about antifa which is a far left extremist group but then right here in raleigh we had a bunch of people called the proud boys that are clearly the most white supremacist people you could possibly imagine standing in the streets in raleigh causing havoc there so it's like it's basically like you have people peacefully protesting and then as the day goes on you have these bad actors trying to come in and just incite you know whatever they can and it seems like now because i kind of you noticed it a little bit last night today seemed to be going a little bit better but it seems like now that we're at the point where we have all four police officers involved in in the you know george floyd um uh, murder basically um they are all now charged. And it seems like now people are kind of calming down on the causing the violence, hopefully. I mean, who knows what's going to happen with that. And maybe we can just move towards the more peaceful protests now that at least that has happened. And and they've moved up 
the the primary guy um, from third degree manslaughter to second to degree. second. Yeah. So I think that uh, satisfied some people too. Right. But again, that if you th- th- this whole all this protesting, the spark was the George Floyd case, but that's not why everybody's doing it just because of George Floyd. This is just a cross, a sweeping um, thing, because that's one of the craziest things about this whole situation is that people are out on the streets basically pointing out the fact that there continues to be issues of race, specifically towards black people in America, especially when it comes to, you know, people of power like the police. But then on top of that, you also just have police brutality. And and again, not to say people are against the police or anything like that, but there's an issue where these things just continually happen and police brutality really is a real thing. And I think that really would be the changes if people can, if they can come in, make change at the local levels and change the way police officers are trained the way that you know, teach them de-escalation. Why are we militarizing mm. the police, dude? Like dude. I remember there was there was an episode of Vice. I don't know. It was like yeah. two or three years ago, and it was basically saying how like they take all like the SWAT truck you see and the you know guys in the full armor and all that stuff. Like they get that from federal military. federal money essentially. Yeah, the military from all these you know uh, contracts that they have, and if they don't use it every so often. They don't fund them anymore. So what do they right. need to do? They got to serve a warrant to somebody. And they, so they just say, screw it. Send in the SWAT team. And they send in the SWAT team so they can say that they used it. And what happens is like the case that happened earlier this year where you have an innocent black woman who's an EMT who's in her house. And they go to the wrong house and they shoot her nine times in mm-hmm. her house. Like what? Right. Wh- why? Uh, I, uh, I, I vacation in uh, New Jersey. Every once in a while, we're going there in a couple months and on the boardwalk, they have like areas you can sit down and there's an ad on the side and you see it all through New Jersey. Uh, and the way that it's, it's, it, it's said is, um, don't tell your kids to be afraid of me. And it has just a picture of a cop and a wholesome cop, like a very, like, yeah, very good looking Chris Evans style, like cop, <laughs> like. You, you can, you know, don't tell your kids to be afraid because parents do that. Say like, oh, that cop's going to get you if you don't yeah, behave. They, they use it. They use it as a, a <laughs> punishment tool. And it's basically it's just like this big ad campaign. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so the ad campaign is like, don't tell your kids to be afraid of us. You know, we, we want your kids to come to us if there's a problem. But the image they have on there is not what a cop looks like these days. Yeah. And and I'll never forget Bill Maher uh, did, did a. At the end of his show, he does the uh, what's it called? The new, new rules. rules. Yeah, and he did one on cops, and he he was very respectful. He's like, it's a job I could never do. It's it's a very difficult job. I have respect for people that do it, do it the right way. He goes, but when did it change from this? And he showed, you know, he had the image above him, and it was like your typical cop from like the fifties. Yeah, like and Barney Fife or whatever. Yeah, just you know, just almost like a button down that button down blue shirt, like. And just uh, the hat and two smiling cops. He goes, when did it change from this to this? And it was like shotgun in hand, militant. <laughs> Rainbow Six style. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> when did that happen? Like, is that necessary? And in some cases it is. I'm, you know, I'm not, this is not a sweeping thing. Like nothing is a hundred percent. And he said, he goes, it, it's changed from on the side of a cop car saying, to protect and serve, 
and I'm going to swear here. <laughs> he goes, it's changed from to protect and serve to what the fuck are you looking at? It's so true. <laughs> it totally it's is. Yeah, so man. true. And I don't and, and I have I have friends that are cops. You know what I mean? And and they're good cops and they do their job and they love their job and they do it well. Um, but it there is like there's a division in this country across so many different categories and and that is one of them people yeah. don't trust the police force anymore and that's not how it should be well it's funny i mean you mentioned in that picture it says you know tell your kids not to be afraid of me this week i learned and not i just i never thought of it but paris on spawn on me he talked about it khalif talked about it and a fellow co-worker of mine I had mentioned, you know, that my buddies had said this and then she said, oh, yeah, my husband had that conversation with my son. It's called the talk. She said, you're usually okay. not worried about your daughters, but it's your young sons, black. You know, if you're black, you're young boys. You tell them early on you have the talk mm -hmm. and the talk is if you get pulled over, what do you do? If the police come to you, what do you do? If you see a cop. How should you act? Like, that is the conversation they have to have. So when they look up and see that, don't tell your kids to be afraid of me, that's not for a black person. That's for us. The white, you, I mean, honestly, as terrible as that sounds, a black mm. person would look at that totally different than we would, Chris, because Absolutely. We, we've never had the talk and we don't, we've never, the, the idea of the talk has never even really popped into our heads ever. Yeah. But no. For black no. people in America, it's a reality. It's just like we have the birds and the bees, and I'm sure they do. Too, you know, a black person right. does as well. But like, they also have to have a talk that, that we really talk. don't have to have, Chris. It's true. It's terrible, man. Like that should it's, not it's be the true. case. It shouldn't be the case. Yeah, and um, and kind of to to just you know another uh, kind of like story about how we kind of like view police force is it, right in Schenectady. They they have a a parade, uh, they move it. Or I think they've moved it the week before Thanksgiving, but it was always like, it was always on black Friday and it was, it's at night and it was touted as like the biggest night parade, like in the country. And, um, we went last year, we brought my daughter and dude, like there are police guys walk, just walking around in the crowd with like AK 47s. <laughs> and I'm like, and I go to my wife. I'm like, that's not necessary. And my wife is like mi military. Like, yeah. so she's like, she's like, oh, yes, it is. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, it's not like, look at these people. They're, in, they're enjoying, they're here for, to see fire trucks go down the street. You know what I mean? And like, there is, is that, and they had, they had snipers on roofs, dude. <laughs> I don't know. Like, where, what is where wrong we, with America, where, why did, man. why did we get to this point? I don't know. Chris. I don't get it. I don't get it. But like, it's just. You almost I, wonder, I see it as unnecessary. Are we to the point, and we've talked about it here on the show with like social media, is it the fact that we all consume media so fast now and news travels so fast yeah. that people just live in fear constantly? And especially here in America, the best way to, to stamp down fear is to grab your six-shooter, grab your gun, and that's going to keep you safe, even though there's study after study after study that shows when put on the spot, someone with the gun that you know has a concealed carrier, whatever it is, either doesn't have the time to react or just, you know, misses. Like there's just not, yeah. it doesn't well, keep you safe. It just doesn't, man. Well, I, I, there's a lot of conspiracy theories and stuff going around about 
and it was an inside job and Bush was a part of it. I don't believe, and I, and I wasn't a, a big Bush fan. I don't believe any of that crap. The one thing I do believe is it was used as a tool to instill fear in us. And that's how it's been since then is yeah. that they, they, they will. And it was big. Like you couldn't have a holiday go by within those first three years after nine 11 could be Memorial weekend. And they were like, gotta be on alert. You know, they, they might attack on, on, uh, you know, a United States holiday. And it was that for a long time. And it's just carried over into now. Yeah. Just being afraid. And, and I'm not saying it's, you know, the government that that's making us afraid anymore. It's almost like, I feel like they've done their job in making us afraid. Now we're just taking the reins and running with it. Yeah. <laughs> being afraid of everything. Well, one of the things that I, I do want to mention, and then I definitely think people, I urge you to check it out. And, you know, it goes back to when President Obama talked yesterday. He mentioned that there were some reports or a report that his group, My Brother's Keeper, did uh, shortly towards the end of his presidency. And it basically showed things that the police force could do to help, you know, stop some of these incidents from happening. Things like de-escalation training, you know, looking on the local level and holding people accountable, maybe having some sort of reporting system, which I think it's kind of crazy. Like here's a pharmacist for me. I have the North Carolina board of pharmacy and Mm -hmm. I have to number one, get licensed through them. I have to take a test, which as far as I know, police have to do something similar to that. Um, But every year I have to do continuing education classes, both live and written. I have to submit those to them. And then we're all held to the standard where if there is an incident, it can be reported by both patients or other pharmacists. And then the Mm. board of pharmacy will investigate it. Is that not a thing in police force? Because from what like president Obama was showing in this, it seems like that's one of the recommendations that the people that made this report recommended was having some sort of like, I don't say governing body, but something that held them liable. Now, from what I know about the police force, and again, I'm completely ignorant on most of this because I don't, I honestly don't really know. I'm not friends with a cop like Chris is and I've never really dug into this. <laughs> but I know police unions are a big thing. And I could see a union being against something like that because then what that would do is mean that if you have a cop that's no good, you know, the idea of a union is everybody gets fair wages and, fair, you know, all those things, everybody's getting paid the same. And so that's when, you know, unions get a bad rap because, you know, like construction workers, you have a guy laying on the floor taking a nap. The other guy's working his ass off, but they both get paid the same or the one gets paid more that's taking a nap because he's worked there for 30 years. <laughs> right. But, you know, why in, in a field where you have guys walking around in holiday parades with an AK-47 – what, like they should be doing some sort of continuing education or like in the instance of the officer that killed George Floyd, the guy had what, 17 or 18, like just, what what do you call them? Where people were like basically, you know, commenting on just how these, these oh, bad just incidents. Complaints. 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 Right, right. Every, like, yeah. It should be like two complaints, investigation starts. Now I can right. see people saying, well, people just complain for no reason. Well, the governing body, whatever that, that body is, it's their job to dig through the filth. And it's the same right. thing in pharmacy. Every single patient that comes to my pharmacy every day could say he was mean to me and go to the board of pharmacy and turn me in. And then say right. I did something stupid. They right. got to come investigate it. Like, why yeah. Why is that not a thing? And I think that holding cops accountable and then so many strikes, you have to go back through like empathy training or, you know, de-escalation training, stuff mm-hmm. like that just seems like a no-brainer to me. It happens in so many different 
uh, careers. In my career, we do that. They're like you said, continuing education for my career. Like the state regulations are always changing. We always have to adapt to what the state is coming up with. And we're, I just did a training today. I do a training today. So it's like, my job is not on the level of a cop. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying like, there's, you know, there, there's employers out there and careers where you constantly have to do it. Now they do have, uh, and maybe they do that. I, I, I don't know. That's what I was going to say. If anybody out there training. is a, is a police officer yeah. and I, I'm sure they do training. I know they don't just go to right. school and then they're immediately they're cop for 30 years with no training. Right. But I want, I'm, I'm more concerned with, is there more check-ins on that stuff? And is there some group that keeps them accountable rather than just here, call up the secretary and say, you know, I want to file a complaint at the police office and it just gets thrown aside like these 17 other ones with this officer right, who right, just right. murdered George Floyd. So, and, and what I was going to say is they could start it, this like new, new training and new regulations, uh, during the, what are they, what was it called? Like the boot camp that they go through. The cops, it's technically like a police academy. Police academy, yeah, police academy three. <laughs> um, they they could do it there because that's where you learn all the tools to be a cop. But what, you know, talk to any any cop when they come out of the uh, the police academy and they're on the force. They're the rookie. You think anybody's gonna? Nobody listens to them. No. So it needs to start from the top down, right. not from the bottom up. And that's the difficult thing because, like you said, you have um, guys that have been on the force for 20 years, 25 years. They're, they're kind of set in their ways. Like yep. they they might be against it or they'll be they'll, – they'll do it because they have to but not really like enact what the new regulations are. It, it's, it's tough to do. It's not anything that's going to happen, you know, overnight – um, it's going to be a long systemic thing and I don't, I don't know, man, it, it's, yeah. it's got to, I mean, something's got to, got to well, give. What's interesting in this case was, um, what's the guy's, the, the police officer, Shavo or something is the, the police officer that actually, the main guy. Yeah. yeah like, had, had his knee yeah. on his neck. Asshole. I think they right. said he was almost with the force for 20 years. Yeah. Two of the other guys had been there two years or less and one had only been there for about six months. So it could be a situation here. We're literally talking the new kids coming out. They didn't speak up and say, hey, get off his neck because they were the rookie. Yeah. They were like, it's not my place. That's just the mindset. But that needs yeah. to change. That shouldn't be the way it is. Yep. Like you need. And so, yeah, we need to start at the top. And and honestly, like it starts at the local level. It needs to. They need to make changes. And, and you know, maybe that governing body that I'm hypothetically bringing up is an elected person that every two or three years you have somebody from the community yeah. and you have people getting involved. Because that's the other thing is people need to get involved. You know, we can sit here and you can complain about the federal government and Trump and the senators and all that. But unless you're looking locally where literally your day-to-day -day life is affected – you know, the, the, the mm -hmm. change that impacts your daily life is not going to happen. And, and hopefully this is opening a lot of young people's eyes to that. You know, maybe they were sitting home playing Fortnite for the longest time. And I, I know I'm stereotyping <laughs> when I say that, but, you know, just just I say that. But like now people are out in the streets and maybe more people will be engaged in local government. I really hope we see that because that really is where change starts. And sure. then that's when you'll see that kind of start to trickle up. Um, yeah. I do want to give credit to uh our 
childhood police force in the Schenectady PD because uh, and I and I still work in Schenectady because there are rough areas of Schenectady that you just don't go into and Hamilton, in Albany. Yeah. Yeah. In Albany, which is right next to Schenectady, they had some problems with looting and rioting and everything. And they, I think they were probably anticipating it in Schenectady. It didn't happen. It's good. Cops, cops and uh, civilians were walking down the street together. They were taking a knee together. They were walking hand in hand down the street together. No problems in Schenectady. So hmm. I felt the need to kind of give credit. Yeah. Yeah, here in Charlotte, it's been hit or miss. Every night's been a little bit different. Um, one night I saw they were kind of live in there, and they had walked onto one of our highways to stop the highway. Please force them to get off. And there was a older black man who just must have got overheated because it was hot as hell that day. And it was around like seven thirty. He kind of passed out on the ground, and you know people were fanning him. And the cops walked over and said, "Hey, you know, are you okay?" And mm -hmm. then helped the man up. The man kind of walked away by himself. Walked over to a tree and a bunch of other people went over there. And then some EMT police that were there as well walked over to him again. They all kind of prayed together, hugged. And then it was like, and it was just awesome to see that. And then, you know, there was another shot of some of the police on bikes talking to some of the people there. Um, so there have been instances where it's like, this has been going good. And I think when the police are talking to the protesters, like, those are the best moments. Because yeah. that's them just, you know, agreeing. Because you hear a lot of the police saying, we agree with you. You know, but, sure. we, but then in the same sense, they're there to do their job of protecting the property, you know, from not getting destroyed ultimately and to protect sure. the people there as well, too. But um, I don't know. Th th this has just been one <laughs> crazy, crazy situation. But mm. again, you know, us, Chris, as white people, we are like, wow, you know, this is crazy. But for many, this is something that's been a reality. And on top of that, I think the, the peace here and another thing that's shedding light to it obviously the virus but it's like also shedding i think people's eyes to maybe how they're teaching their kids about race because for me i mentioned it um to you here chris and i, I even posted this on twitter we we had our kids watch the first two nights we were like i was like to my wife i'm like this is history like they need to be watching this and my daughter you know they were talking about racism in america and she looked at me and she said dad she said did my teacher lie, did our teachers lie to us and I, at first I kind of thought about it and then I caught on what she meant that, you know, they learn in school that racism is dead, that racism was beat in the sixties. Martin Luther King did it. Like he, they <laughs> squashed racism, right? That's what we teach the kids in America. And of course the black kids in the class know that's not the case because they probably had the talk with their parents, but our kids, they, they you know, my kids, that's just kind of the way it is. And I, you know, I thought I was doing a great job as a parent where, uh, my wife and I, you know, not say that we teach them not to see color. We never even really had to have the conversation because they have black friends um, playing soccer. You know, my son has, you know, Hispanic friends. The, the school where we live in right outside Charlotte is a very just nice little melting pot the school they go to. People of all races. Um, and they've never said, like, really, why is his skin different than mine or, or look down upon them? They're just friends. They're people. Mm -hmm. And. But the, the, the downside is I never taught our kids about, like, the dark side of race. You know, I never told them that you may encounter somebody who will look down at them because they just learned in school that it was over. So they just it never crossed their minds and they've never encountered that. And I don't want to say we've sheltered them from that, but 
we don't watch movies that have racism with them because, I mean, they're getting a little bit older now, so I'm sure movies we start to watch, they'll see that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, whenever anything like this has happened in the past, like Trayvon Martin or any of those things, we're not watching the news with them. But now they're right, a little bit right. older, and now is the time to do that. And so we had to talk, and, you know, I had to say, hey, you know, it, it's – I don't think your teacher's, like, went out of their way to lie to you, but it's – and the way I phrased it was it's just an idea that everybody keeps passing along, just kind of hoping – that what was done in the past can carry forward and that we can can squash it. But in reality, it's not really the case, you know? And it's, um, wow. I don't know, they just had to, you know, see it. And and my son, I mean, he, he's going to be 14 soon. He's been, like, just consumed by this. Like, really? he's just like, can we put it on CNN, Dad? Can we put it on CNN? Like, he wants to see what is happening out there. And I asked him, I yeah. said, if you were old enough, would you, do you think you would go there? And he was like, I wouldn't go out at night, but I think I'd go out during the day. And, and we talked about it. We almost, we have some friends, a friend of ours, he's a a preacher here at a a Methodist church. He went on Sunday in Charlotte. They did a a nice thing. Um, But my wife is still a bit leery about, you know, taking the kids up there. And understandably so. I mean, there has been, you know, have been instances of violence up there and that. And so, um, but, you know, part of me is like, do I bring, could I bring them for the day up there? And, you know, part of me really wants to, I don't know, we'll see what kind of happens this weekend. I'm thinking it might be something we might just... Just do, man. Just to, yeah, get them out there to experience it. You know, yeah, because we, I mean, how we grew up, uh, you know, we big like Italian city, and you know, high, high Italian uh, mm-hmm. for elementary school and, and right through high school, and we had uh, we had some some black students there. Only a few, Chris. Yeah. Only a few. I mean, it was probably 99% white. Yep. And even so, like, I never had that talk with my parents. I don't know. I don't know if it was just because it was, like, a different time, and which was, you know, 20 years ago. Now, 20 years ago, we graduated high school. But uh, even before that, like, I had friends. Like, we had the uh, – was it, like, the Army Depot over there? Mm-hmm. Like, Yeah. And the thing that – I was upset because that was like a revolving door. They never stayed there for too long. People that lived in there, a lot of them were our black friends. And yeah. I had I had friends that moved away. And I was like upset about that. And it wasn't because they were black. And I don't know, like, I think it was just like naturally inherited in me from my parents who are nice people that I'm just nice to people. I never got, I never had that conversation with my family because I didn't need to have it. But in that short amount of time since we left high school, yeah, man, like, like you said in the beginning, like you got to have the birds and the bees talk. The, the African American community has been doing that for decades, 400 years, having, (laughs) having the birds and the bees and the race talk now, like, now the white people have to start doing that. Yeah. In in protecting of the African American culture. Yep. We um you know, moving to Charlotte, then you know, Chris, like you mentioned, like we only had a couple black kids at our school. Yeah. And, you know, obviously I went to college, had a, a mix there. But moving here to the south, I mean, I moved to the Bible Belt in the south. Um, you know, it, it definitely was a little bit of a culture change because you had very, yeah. you know, the, um, religious people here, the Baptist, you know, people here are all over the place. Um, plus 
just the melting pot of much many more African Americans down here. And like that was not to say that I that was jarring or anything like that, but like when I wore where I worked even up in New York, I didn't work we just didn't have a lot of people in our town and that may sound mm-hmm. bad, but that was just the reality of where we lived. Where I work now and I'm just going to flat out say it on air and I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> I'm going to say I'm proud to work for this company, man, the way this is going last week. I work for Walmart. And, like, we are the the melting pot of melting pot. Like, we are basically the community center for any town where there's a Walmart. Like, everybody knows where the Walmart is and everybody goes to the Walmart. And our staff, like, just in the pharmacy, more than 50% are either black or Hispanic. And I don't – I'm not saying they always should get a reward for that, but it's like – it's the way it is, man. And like mm-hmm. that, we just there. There is no nobody discriminates anybody in in, in our store in in my pharmacy like that. Because if you did, we would all just be just as angry, you know, at that person for doing that. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and you wouldn't, you just wouldn't survive in the pharmacy because we just we just couldn't deal with that. Like right. I have a very low tolerance for that. Like that is just not something that I I appreciate. And if and and I think back to maybe instances where in my life things like that happened. I'll be honest, and I'm somewhat ashamed to say it. Like, I think I just kept my mouth shut. You know, whenever I would hear somebody say something like that, I don't think I stood up like I should have. And, I, and you know, I think if anything, the takeaway for me from this moment is, number one, teaching my kids to, you know, obviously see that other side. And number two is, hell yeah, I'm going to stand up from now on. Like, there, there's no reason to not say anything. You know, mm-hmm. put those people on the spot. Make them be the one to feel uncomfortable. Don't make the person they're throwing the words at be the one that feels uncomfortable. Um, one one thing I always, you know, tell my kids and, and anybody, like, if there's one thing in life that you can do, I think. And again, I know I'm on my soapbox here. I'm sorry. But just follow the golden rule, man. Treat others like you want to be treated. Anything in life, anything, no matter what it is, that is the answer to it all. If you don't want to be punched in the face, don't punch someone in the face. If you don't want someone to spit on your grandma, don't spit on someone's grandma. Like, just think of, I'm serious. Think of that. That is it. Treat others like you want to be treated and everything is fine. Like, you can just go through life and just be happy. I mean, hell, Chris and I, we host a show called The Enthusiast Enthusiast Life because we just like that fun. Like, that's why I dwell in, in all those negatives. And so, you know knowing that there are so many people that can't live that enthusiast life. I think now is the time, man, that people need to take that action. And, um, you know, whatever that action is, however small it is, have those conversations, those uncomfortable conversations. One of the best things I saw this week were two companies that just did some of the most incredible things. Number one, the Ben and Jerry statement was amazing. That like, was awesome. Go find the Ben and Jerry <laughs> statement. Like that is probably yeah. the best written statement. The other one that did the best to me was Nickelodeon, man. Nickelodeon, if you about that, yeah. not seen what they did during their little popular block in the morning when a lot of parents just plop their kids in front of the TV and walk away and ignore them. They threw up eight minutes and 26 seconds or whatever it was that that man cut off George Floyd's airway. They flashed a black screen on the television that just kept saying, I can't breathe. And so you had little kids all over not only America, but probably the world that somehow get that on whatever service they get, mm-hmm. asking their parents, what is on TV right now? Where are the bubble guppies? Or, or where's Dora? <laughs> right. And force those parents to talk to those kids, man. Yeah. That was... You would hope. You would hope. I would hope. Right. 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 And then they'd probably just change the channel to Disney or whatever it is. But right. yeah. like, I hope at least it made them at least feel somewhat uncomfortable because that's the way it needs well, to be. 
<laughs> and if they did change the channel to Disney, Disney Junior has an ad up now. Good. And it, and, it, and Disney Junior doesn't play a lot of ads. Disney Junior is just it's a show, and the commercials that they run are all about the shows. Right. So yes, it's there, right, there's yeah. almost there's almost no commercials on Disney Junior. Uh, every once in a while, there'll be like a Huggies diaper commercial or something like that. But um, tonight. I they, I find I saw almost every commercial break in between whatever shows are on. They have they have a spot like a Black Lives Matter spot hmm. that's running on Disney Junior. Nice. Well, we so, got uh, um and part of the reason I wanted to say I'm proud to work for Walmart is we got a letter. Of course, went to every employee, so you know take that for what it is. But our CEO of Walmart on like Tuesday night. So this is like, I'm not talking this just this past Tuesday. I'm talking like last, or would have been Wednesday, because George Floyd, what, the, the murder took place on Monday? Was that when that happened? Only a few yeah, days uh, after. So even so before yeah. we went through the weekend of the just the terrible weekend that we had, he just sent a letter out to everyone, just saying like, hey, just want to let everybody know, you know, we, we saw what happened. We do not support that at all. Said that, you know, we Walmart is a place where people um, of all walks of life can come in and work. You know, um, um, you know, and, and I even can attest to that because, you know, I've seen, you know, people who are cart workers go on to become shift managers or assistant managers of all walks of life, which is that's one of the things about Walmart. People make fun of Walmart all you want, but like you can literally be the cart guy and mm. 15, 20 years <clears throat> later, you are working in Arkansas at, at home office or doing whatever. Like there, there are opportunities for people. You're not always locked into where you are. Right. But he, he pointed that out saying we have people from all over. And then at the end, he said, until our nation commits to change, you know, these are things we may need to stick with. But, you know, here in our community, like, let's stand together and, and be our community. Right. And it was just awesome to see that, like early yeah. on, stepping up immediately to the employees, just saying, like, we support you and we are this melting pot of people. And I just mm -hmm. thought that was awesome. I'm like, wow, that kind of just came out of nowhere. I didn't expect that. Um, really but then cool. it was also to see him kind of acknowledge the nation that there are clearly very divisive things kind of happening oh, sure. right now, you know, outside yeah. of, of, uh, you know, just, just what happened this past week. You know, I think Chris, one of the biggest things that is also attributing to this besides the virus is, you know, when you look at the situation of, and, and, and let's be honest of, of some, black people out there, the economic situation, there definitely is a gap between those that are black people that are poor and white people that are poor. There is definitely mm -hmm. a, a large gap or even Hispanic people that are poor. Like there is a gap there. And I, I believe that a lot of that also leads to this as well. Cause how can you be a parent and have to live in an urban area, in a city, work two jobs to not only pay for the childcare so you can continue to work one of those jobs, but then also have to afford healthcare and then also maybe have a car, maybe not, but then you have to, you know, pay money to renew your license every mm -hmm. so often because that's not free. And all these other expenses that you have to pay for. Like, how is that a, how is somebody able to survive, dude, in America? Like, you and I have never had to experience that, man. We, yeah. I don't want to say we're white privileged kids because, you know, my parents worked and had to work their asses off as well. But we got opportunities, man, where, you know, a, a, a kid in an urban city somewhere that hey, whose parents didn't have great jobs, he wouldn't have been going to pharmacy school like I did. Like, you, that just wouldn't yeah. have been an opportunity. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. And so how can somebody do that? 
it's it's insanely difficult. Um, it's and and we all want to tout the American dream, uh, but it's very difficult for a certain population to achieve that American dream. Things a lot of things have to go right for them to to uh, be able to support a family. And uh, Morgan Spurlock, we're fans of Morgan Spurlock. Yeah. He did a show called 30 Days because, you know, he's known oh, for the I McDonald's. Show, dude. He's known for the McDonald's, doing the McDonald's diet for 30 days. So he did a show called 30 Days. And, and uh, each episode was something that somebody had to do. For, it wasn't always him. But um, in the very first episode of the, the series, him and his girlfriend went on minimum wage for 30 days. And they like froze all their credit cards. So they, they, they could not do they, and, and, you know, he's a, a well-known director and he's got money, but just to, to solidify everything and, and no viewers were like, well, he, you know, he could easily just go use his credit card or something like that. Froze his credit card asset, everything. And they, they had to go out and get jobs. Um, and both of them had to go to the doctor he injured himself. He got a job doing. Um, well, he had he got a job. Wasn't he doing like day labor stuff? Like every day he would he show was up doing at that office where you get like that. Like yeah, he'd be he like, today like, you're gonna go here. It was almost like a. He, he was doing one job, and then at that job, somebody else said, "Well, I do this job too. If you want to do that," and he started doing landscaping, and he like hurt his hand or something doing landscaping. So he tried to tough it out for a couple of days, and he's just like, "I gotta go." So he went. Um, and she got like a really nasty, like cold or just had a virus or something like that. She got like a urinary tract infection. She had to go to the hospital. Um, so all the, and in the corner during the whole episode, there's like a running total, like the money that they're taking in. And if they have to spend, it goes down. Um, and by the end of it, they were in the red, like $800 because of their medical bills. And he showed his medical bill to the camera. He goes, here's my, here's my bill. And it was like $400 for like medical, medical supplies. He's like, the medical supplies I got was an ACE bandage. I could have went to CVS and got that for 10 bucks. And they charged me $400 for an ACE bandage. Dude, my, my, my dad just, I mentioned a few weeks ago, had the mini stroke. Brought him to the local hospital that's pretty close. It was only probably 10 minutes away. And then they transported him after, like as the day went on up to the one right in right downtown Charlotte or uptown Charlotte. Mm-hmm. The, the, <laughs> the ambulance ride. Now, at this point, he's fine. Like, I don't want to say he's fine, but he was like talking to my mom and I on FaceTime while in the ambulance. So, and it was really just like, uh, hey, you know what? We just don't want to keep you here because there are specialists up in Charlotte. In case we need them, we need you up in Charlotte. That's why they brought him there. But they were just like, you know, you're going to go up there, probably spend the night. That'll be it. $4,500 to drive my dad probably 10 miles up one major road, 74 Crystal Road that our apartment used to be on. They drove mm-hmm. it from Matthews up 74, about 10 miles to Uptown Charlotte. My mom, luckily, they didn't have to pay that with their insurance. I mean, they still have a deductible of like five grand, which of course they hit that immediately. But mm-hmm. that ambulance ride was $4,500. There was no life-saving equipment needed. There was no, It was literally my dad in a, a taxi. hospital gown 
on a gurney that they put in there and three dudes sat there with my dad and just watched my dad talk to me and my mom on FaceTime and they rode up there and that How's was that it. justified? How is that know. justified? I don't know. Like what? And it, that's the thing, man. Even me as a pharmacist, like I just every day it drives me bananas to look at the price yeah. of things. Right. Like I work one of the pharmacists I work with, one of my good friends, I mean him and I, he's the guy I do all the Spartan races with. He's older than me. He's 52, 53. He remembers when there was Nobody used insurance. Like insurance was an odd thing when someone came in. So like people were just straight up paying cash money for drugs. Mm-hmm. And it was it just wasn't a, a thing. And then suddenly when insurances really came in, the for-profit insurances, and then it just skyrocketed. And it became insane. And it's amazing because people use an ambulance every day. Or not, not the same person, but there, there right. are – People, so you would think like enough people are getting that bill where people would be like, "This is not. This is where's it? We got to change this." Yeah, but we we kind of let these things go, and that's that's where my concern is: is this are we going to let this go eventually? Not right now, but eventually we're going to let this go too. I don't know. You know what I thought thought of while you're talking about that? Why don't we create? Uber ambulance. Dude, I said the exact same thing to my mom. I said, Mom, we need Uber ambulance. What yeah. are we doing? Like, this is That's, I mean, it might, might take an extra minute. Uh, I hope you're okay in that extra minute, but you got to go to your app. Do you want a, do you want a, a black car ambulance? Do you want to like all that stuff? Ambulance X? Yeah. Ambulance X. Yeah. Ambulance X. But, but, you know, all that I think plays into all of this, just people just being outraged. Just yes. like, and that's the thing, these, these protests, they started with, and, and I don't want people to lose sight of the fact that it's Black Lives Matter and that it's, it's the injustice that black people have had to endure for, for a long time. But I, I, you can just feel it. And when I say that, I don't think this is going to go away, Chris. I think it's because there are so many people fed up with everything, just with everything that's been going on. Not, you know, not just the virus, not just, right. you know, health insurance, but even dude, like, and, and, Folks out there, like, we, again, we don't normally get political on the show, but Chris and I, for the last three and a half years, have just been (laughs) dumbfounded by some of the actions of the president of this country and how one party continues to just, you know, support the man. And I know there are many of you out here listening to this who may be Trump supporters and, for the longest time, I could say I understand, you know, whatever, if that's your beliefs in that. But it, to me, it is so blatantly obvious that th- th- there is just something wrong when you have a man who continually just incites just, I don't want to say violence, but just pours fuel on the fire nonstop and is continually trying to divide this country. Like, I was not, and Chris was not, we weren't supporters of George W. Bush. I mean, Chris said it a little while ago. Why? Because we were of the age where, like, if there was a draft when it was time to go to war, we would have been going to war. And it was that threat of war that George W. Bush, back then, I didn't support the policies of the man, and I supported more the the Democrats' policies, and that's kind of why I I steered towards that. Now, I understand, people, if you're a Republican and you, you supported George W. Bush's policies, Back then, because you're a Republican, that's that's more the political party issue. But it, we're to the point now where this the president of the United States is not representing that party, dude. No. And I I don't no. understand. And and it just came to light 
this week just at how inept the man is. The the the, the <clears throat> incident of number one causing the you know shooting pepper balls, which people are now saying it's not tear gas. Pepper balls is tear gas. I'm sorry if it gets in your <laughs> eyes and it makes your eyes water. That's what it is. While hitting people with shields, while pushing people back, and in that same moment he walks out and he talks to people, basically saying. We need to dominate the streets. If the states can't get it together, I'm going to take care of it, and I'm sending in the military. Somehow brings up the Second Amendment for whatever reason within that, which to me seemed mm-hmm. like he's inciting people to bring violence. And then all those people they pushed out of the way walks across the street to hold up a Bible and what was the most just just mind-blowing thing I've ever seen, photo op. And then when that even causes the bishop of the church to be pissed— and then you have Pat Roberts, the guy from the 700 <laughs> Club or whatever it is. When that guy is turning on you, I don't understand. You've lost it. Yeah. What? What? I, I just, Chris, and I'm sorry, people, to be going off here. And I, you know, we never do that on the show, and that's not what we do. But man, that that to me was it has just been insane. And then you've seen every living president, former president, President Obama. Jimmy Carter, George W. Bush, all come out and put out statements that are just more presidential in the one letter that they wrote than anything our current president has done Mm -hmm. in the last three and a half years. Like, that's what a country needs. That's what a leader needs. And it drives me insane right now to see that. The The country's burning. What are you doing? The the only other time I've seen somebody descend into madness the way Donald Trump is, was his name was Walter White and the show was Breaking Bad. Oh. <laughs> um, and I I can forgive people for wanting to vote for him back in 2016 yes. um, because they want to bring somebody in that is up. not political. Shake it up, sure. I, I, I didn't see him as that person. Because he has no idea what the common man has ever gone through a single day in his life. But if that was your horse, then bet on him. Um, The continued support of him at this point, I do not get. And I think right now it's just a pride thing for people who voted for him uh, because they don't want to be wrong. They don't want him to be wrong. Hey, to be wrong. We, We will not. Uh, drag you through the mud if you if you have the balls to just stand up and say i i gave it a shot and i gave him a shot and it's not worked out he constantly needs a villain to go up against him so much so he will tweet about a 15 year old girl with (laughs) asperger's syndrome yeah is that normal that's not normal from a regular 70-year-old man. It's not normal from a 70-year-old president of the United States. Nothing he is doing is normal. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know how to do the job. And and it it, it can't it cannot go on. It, if if we get another 4 years of this, we're in trouble. We are, I mean, we're in trouble now. Like, it's going to, it's going to take years to repair the damage that this guy has done around the world yeah. uh, for our country. It's not for him. It's not um, America first. It's America only. And yeah. that's a problem. And not even that it's me only like that. That to me yeah. is the one thing I remember back when he was elected and like talking to people and just saying like, 
you know, I know there were a lot of people that were hesitant and didn't want to vote for Hillary Clinton just because of the history of her and the many things she did or didn't do. I get that. For me, a leader, I always look at just their... Their, their ability to, number one, be a leader, to show empathy. Do they care for people? Are they, Is it possible for them to see both sides and maybe come together in the middle, try to pull people together? And even when you go back through even like, you know, George W. Bush, after 9-11, living in New York and like that crap happened, when that dude stood up with that megaphone talking to those workers, man, it was, it was like epic. tears in my it was eyes. Great. Like yeah. that's a leader, a guy who I didn't vote for, but was able to take, you know, so many people together and just join us as one. Hell, even, and I, it's crazy to say it in the way this guy's become in the last few years, even Giuliani back in the day, oh, you know, had you have tears yeah. and, and just was pulling you in. He's gone so far out, out the deep end and I don't understand that I just don't get that. But like, that's what we need as a leader. So when, you know, I don't know how people who maybe, maybe you hated President Obama, maybe you hated his policies, but as a leader, come on. Mm. Like, you I know, know. you got to respect the man, at least for what he was able to do and how he could comfort people in times of need. And that's what America needs right now. That's why, like, when you, you I was looking at uh, who's the woman, the, the governor, mayor of Atlanta, you hear her talk. Or wh- what has Andrew Cuomo been doing for the last two or three months? Mm-hmm. He's been doing the president's job essentially every day, like coming together, calming people, everybody tuning in to see what he has to say, not turning right. into Trump's daily things to number one, boost his rating so he can brag about him or thank himself, but also just to, you know, see what crazy thing he was going to say that day. No, people wanted to listen to Andrew Cuomo because they needed some comfort and needed to know like, the facts. Right. Where right. are we going? How is it going? Like, that's why people were tuning into that. And it's just, so, so now kind of looking forward to just what's coming up obviously in November with the election and then all this going on right now, it's like Joe Biden may not be the best for many people. I think Joe Biden 10 years ago, 12 years ago would be better than the Joe Biden we have today. Cause right. sure he's an older man, but he's been there. He's seasoned all, you know, so many people know him as a leader in the Senate. He's been there and he's done it. He's experienced. And then on top of that, he just has empathy. He can comfort people. And I know he's some not, people are saying, oh, he hugs people. Oh, he likes to kiss him on the head. Come on. Well, let's not let's not talk about that. I'm not going to go well, into that. But you know what I mean. Yeah, like, yeah. let's. Well, we we know what Trump has done because he said <laughs> yeah. it on on on, on uh, audio. So yeah, whatever. Um, but you the 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 difference between the two is just night and day. And no, I don't think Biden is the best nominee. But like you said, he has been there. He will surround himself with people. Um, who he trusts, where who Donald Trump doesn't trust anybody, um, and Trump is small-minded. And the the it, I mean, if if Barack Obama had called a press conference and said, "We are looking into the benefits of injecting yourself with bleach," <laughs> Fox News would run with that for a year, and they are sitting by him, say, and, and defending that. It makes no sense to me. Yeah. I, I've never seen anything like it's fine if you want to, you know, defend your, your uh, Republican uh, candidate nominee. That that's your right. that's your and base policies that's, and all that. Yes. I get it. I get it. This is not a normal Republican. No. And 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 to to want to do that photo op because you you were embarrassed because of how people were going to see that the reports were you went down into the bunker. You're the president of the United States. You need to be protected. 
Yeah. There's nothing wrong with you going down into a bunker. Yep. But he, he doesn't want the, the people, the visual of that. He doesn't want the visual of a mask. All, while millions of Americans are wearing masks to protect mm-hmm. themselves and other people, he refuses to do it because of how it makes him look. You already look like an idiot. So just wear the <laughs> stupid thing. <laughs> and and to go across the street and in front of a church and not even do anything religious with the exception of holding up a Bible. You know, George Bush, I guarantee you would have said some sort of prayer or something yeah. right there, right then and there. You yep. did nothing because you don't even know what a prayer is. It, it, it blow it just I've, I've never seen and I've told you this before there's like point zero 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 one percent of me that kind of wants him to win again because it's just a shit show and it's like what will he do next and I always go back to the Howard Stern movie private parts when uh, I, I... when they were like you know the average Stern listener lover listens to Stern for an hour and a half and why do they do that? The answer most given is because they want to hear what they say next. The average Stern hater listens, listens in for two and a half hours. The answer number one given, I want to hear what he'll say next. And yep. that's where I'm at with Donald Trump. <laughs> it's like, I want to see what but, he'll say next. But I think that's the thing to kind of loop it back to what's happening is we can't afford another four no, years. Like if yeah. people truly, is, if you truly want to see change, like I said at the top of the show, your local level is obviously the start. Mm-hmm. But I think for that change to stick and truly stick, we also got to go to the top. Like, you, we got to make those changes there. And, you know, looking at the two candidates, as far as we know, being Biden and Trump, there's only one clear choice to me that I think could make those these changes stick. and Or at least build the people around him and, and use the mindset to adapt and to actually, you know, learn if needed um, the things to make change happen. You know, I mean, I could easily see him like falling back on, you know, President Obama, like for guidance. I mentioned that report. Sure. They would bring that report in and start making those changes, like because that's what he would want to do. Where on the flip side, Trump wouldn't enact any of those changes be- just because they're from an Obama report. Like he right. would just say, nope, can't have anything to do with it just because of that. Yep. Yeah. What was the thing? Did you see? Was that two weeks ago or three weeks ago? There was that painting that happens every so often on a wall. Yeah. And every single president has gone and unveiled that you pull back the curtain and it's the previous president there. Every single president, the one president who refused to do it, Donald Trump, because if he pulled that sheet down, there was going to be Barack Obama. He refused Mm -hmm. to do that just because he hates the man so much. It's shallow. It's like, what in the and and it, you know to even to go back to us just being parents like it's embarrassing to have like the the I mean my son remembers Obama obviously my daughter vaguely I mean she you know was was what I guess seven and a half seven but you know she wasn't watching really TV that much watching him talk really that often but the first president that she real that she sees who should be an inspiration mm. is this man and it's it's kind of infuriating sometimes mm-hmm. it's like why you know why can't we have somebody that you could at least point to and say that's the president and be proud of them whether or not you disagree with their policies or not because that's america that's democracy we're supposed to disagree on things and have these discussions and and come to that a happy medium that's how our country has stayed alive this long what do you think the the people that signed the declaration of independence and formed our constitution they sat in a room for hours arguing that's yeah. what they did yeah. Of all different would, viewpoints until they came to where they are. Like there is no slam your fist down with an iron fist and say, 
my way or the highway. And like, that's kind of what seems to be happening. And sadly, it's spreading to, and, and this is kind of where I, I say it needs to happen at the top, is that's what we're almost seeing in some of these riots. You're seeing those extreme groups who support those leaders who have that mindset, who support Trump, and they're showing up and saying, I would, I would get love, out of my face. I would love to argue, or not argue, discuss policy with a uh, somebody that's a fan of a president that I am not a fan of, but we're not doing that. Like we're discussing human decency. Yeah, exactly. And that's mind blowing that <laughs> that is what we are talking about, about a leader of a country is human decency, yep. the leader of this country. Yep. And, and, and he, he lives on Twitter. I don't, I can't figure out how nobody has taken that cell phone away from him. I don't know, man. Like any parent would say, go to your room. <laughs> Shut up <laughs> and go to your room. And he is surrounded by people that don't do that. I, 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 it's, it's baffling to me. We're arguing about human decency, and that's what these protests are all about, for yeah. human decency. I mean, the, the yeah. decency, just to be decent to George Floyd, those cops chose not to, right? And how can you expect anyone to be decent to another human when from the top, and what they see amplified from their leaders is not human decency. I mean, it, it was funny when Melania, you know, became first lady and, and her her goal, which, you know, Michelle Obama was about kids eating healthy and exercise well, and right. schools and all that. Melania's was cyberbullying. She's married to literally the number the one, the champion, is the, king. the WrestleMania <laughs> Royal Rumble champion of cyberbullying. That's where How it's just toned How is that possible? Down. It's tone deaf. Like they, they, they're not, they're not with it. And that's a fact. That's like you can't yeah. even argue that. Whether whether you agree with what Chris and I are saying here or not, that's a fact. Like there is mm -hmm. no, no, no getting around that. And that, right. that to me is is just insanity. I don't get it, man. And and guys, Same. I'm I'm sorry that we went off here and just totally <laughs> went on that sidetrack. But like, it's something that Chris and I always talk about. And like I said, we've I've never brought this onto any of the shows we've ever done, just because it's not. You know, we're we're supposed to be your refuge of. I think of, like doing podcasting for eleven years now. Yep, eleven years. We're, we're due one show to kind of <laughs> go off topic after. We're due, yeah. Years. So, um, and and I I think you know bringing it back to you know the the protesting and stuff like that, and everybody you know wanting change. Of course, that's that's the goal is to change all this stuff and. I, and I, I, I am with everybody out there that hopes it happens in some capacity. It's going to take some time. But there's two um, events that I, I go back to and nothing really changed in t these two events. And it just, it just makes me feel like I, 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 while I hope something happens, I don't know. And one of them is um, Occupy Wall Street <laughs> yeah. and, you know, the 99%. Those people were out there for months and nothing happened. Hmm. Absolutely nothing happened. And the other one is Sandy Hook. I mean, we were having problems with, with you know, gun violence and school shootings and mall shootings when it went into a elementary school mm -hmm. and it was kids who were the victims and nothing happened after that. Ever since then, I've just been like, we're not doing anything with gun control. So, again, 
I, I really, I mean, this, this has a different feel than even than Sandy Hook does. I mean, people weren't going out in the streets when Sandy Hook happened um, in this capacity. So this is this is much bigger than we've seen in a very very long time. So maybe hopefully um, something will happen. But like Mar saying, you got to start small and then yep. expand from there. And it's going to take time. And then I think, you know, just you personally have those conversations, have those difficult conversations with your family members, with your friends. And then two things. One, live by the golden rule. That's the one thing that I've always told everybody is just treat others like you want to be treated. That is just will get you through life. And in this situation, I think it really help everyone because if then you'd be able to listen, you'd be able to understand, you'd be able to show empathy towards people. Like those are the things that you need to have. But then also... Be a leader, not a follower. That's that's the mm. one thing my dad always told me, and I try to tell my kids that all the time as well. Like, be a leader, not a follower. Like, don't if you see someone, you know, being racist, you know, saying bad things to a black person or <laughs> whatever it is, or saying bad things to a white person, don't follow follow them. Like, don't mm. you know, step up, stand up, be that leader to say something, um, mm-hmm. and and lead by your actions. You know, don't just get roped into things and do something which. Clearly, when you look at that tape of George Floyd, one guy was clearly being the leader there, and three others were being the followers. They didn't step mm-hmm. up and do what they needed to do, and now they're sitting behind bars, um, and you know, facing a trial, and and pretty much are have been vilified by not only the country but by the world. I mean, these protests are happening worldwide. One of the best videos yeah. I saw was John Boyega, dude. Like in the yeah. U.S., they even said in front of the embassy, you know, they're going crazy in the U.S. embassy, but all around the world, we're seeing this. So, you know, hopefully this will be a movement that will will stick and um, it will open so many people's eyes to, you know, the, the harsh reality that that's been happening here. And, you know, for people out there saying it, because I keep people saying like all lives matter, all lives matter. It's not. Sure. And in, in, yeah. in, a, in a perfect world, yes. But unfortunately, we don't live in that world. And you need to take a step back and look at, you know, where where there are issues. And it, it's undeniable that. Um, yeah, the black community has just suffered but, so but much. That, it continues to suffer, man. Yeah, but that is the that is the the black uh, and African American culture. That's their logo. We don't like that. That's they own that, and that's what white America wants to do is like take it back and yep. say like, oh no, all no, of course all lives matter. But we don't like that is that's their mantra. That's what they rally behind, and yep. we want to steal that from them too. <laughs> It's not how it I works. I need to think of it that way, man. Yeah. Yeah, dude. No, it's not how it works. So. <sighs> mm. All right. Well, let's we talk, wrap. Like, I don't know, Star Wars next week or something. Uh, or, well, yeah, we got to talk something next week because this or, is just. Uh, we'll get back like, to normal next about, week, I promise. How about we talk about our favorite, like, G rated movies to do the complete opposite end of the spectrum next week? <laughs> G rated movies. Yeah. <laughs> I played. Hey, I played some of that Elder Scrolls Greymore expansion. We'll be talking about that. That's G. Okay, it all right. With a G. G. We might be getting some <laughs> guinea pigs here in the house. What? And you know you what we might watch? We might get guinea two pigs. guinea pigs, and we we're probably going to watch this weekend the G Force movie on Disney Plus, which was the four guinea pigs that were like in the secret FBI undercover. That things. was totally unplanned, and you just listed off three G things. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't nothing but a G thing, baby. <laughs> All right, well, let's wrap it up there, guys. You know, honestly, though, what I would want everybody to do, especially, I, I don't want to say especially, but, you know, if, if you do have different viewpoints than we had, email us, theenthuselife at gmail.com, because, again, that's 
that's America, man. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to have different opinions and, and be able to express them. Send them into us. And, you know, I don't know if we're going to read them on the air because I don't really know if I want to revisit this. But Chris and I will read every single one of those. I promise you. Mm. Um, but let us know your thoughts on some of the things we said tonight. And, you know, this should be the last time, at least for the next while, that we'll go ahead and uh, get oh, a another 11 years. On the show. Oh, yeah, another stay. 11 years. Um, depending how things go. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, you know, again, it's just, we, we needed, there's some things are too big to not bring up and talk about. And, um, you know, uh, we did sidetrack a little bit there when, with <laughs> Donald Trump. Um, but I think it needed yeah. to be part of the discussion because from my viewpoint, you know, a lot of that has just made the fire so much hotter. A lot of yeah. those things and, and, you know, to, to continuously see it burning and burning and just have it blow over like it did here in the last week. It's, it's insane because it really is a complicated topic that has so many facets to it. Um, and, you know, um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think there are things that we can do to at least help in the situation as we look towards. Because this isn't going to change overnight. It's going to be a long-term thing that you know, it's going to take a lot to, you know, to change it. But there are many things you can point to, or at least I can point to, that I think could help at least move things in the right direction. So, Well said. Other than that, everybody, treat each other with respect and dignity. Be nice to each other. Always think about what you put out in the world, too. That's one thing a lot of people don't think about. Think about the, you know, the tweets you're putting out there. Are they hate, hateful? Or the mm-hmm. pictures you're putting on Instagram? Like, Think about those things. Um, sure, we all have freedom of speech, but you know, I think every once in a while it's okay to just say, like, you know what? That might hurt sit, someone's feelings. Yeah. Sit this ah, one out. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> right. So, right. Especially right. this time. This, now's not the time. We need sports back. We need sports, man. That's what we need. And it's coming. It's It's coming. coming. Right around the corner. Max Kellerman, hockey, now one of those top four sports. Tune into Lockdown Avalanche, and we discussed that. Ooh. (laughs) All right. There you go. A little little teaser. And by the way, like I said, that episode of Spawn on Me uh, with my good buddies, Khalif Adams and Paris Lilly, will be down in the show notes. Uh, So please do yourself a favor and check that out if you can. Uh, I think it's even, I'll, I'll send a link to uh, the website. You can find all the different ways to listen to it, whether audio, YouTube, whatever. And uh, they may even be replaying it again on Twitch. I'm not sure. So um, check that out. So with that, everybody, thank you again here for tuning in. Stay safe. And uh, with that, wash your hands, wear a mask when you go out, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Peace and love. Peace and love. I wish we had that. That Ringo <laughs> Star. <though. Yeah. laughs>